The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16, verses 5 to 12. When Jesus' disciples came to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread along. Jesus said to them, Watch out, and be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were discussing this among themselves and said, It is because we did not bring any bread. Since Jesus knew what they were saying, he said, You of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you brought no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you picked up? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you picked up? How is it that you do not understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not warning them about the yeast and bread, but about the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Gospel of our Lord. Would you agree that was an interesting conversation we heard Jesus have with his disciples in the Gospel? Yes. However, maybe as you were listening to the Gospel this morning, you thought a certain thing. And maybe the thing you thought went sort of along these lines. This is nice. What does it have to do with Thanksgiving? Maybe you were expecting a little bit more of a straightforward kind of traditional choice for a Thanksgiving message this morning. Maybe, for example, a section of scripture that, oh, I don't know, uses the word thanks or Thanksgiving somewhere in it, like the psalm that we read responsively before. Or maybe the lesson we heard from Deuteronomy where Moses reminds the Israelites to always look to the Lord even if it seems like you are the source of your wealth and your goods, always look to the Lord as the ultimate source for every good thing you have. Or maybe even something like the section from Paul's letter to the Philippians that reminds us to always be content, always be satisfied with what God has given us in life when he's giving a little or when he's giving a lot. Instead, what you're getting is a conversation where Jesus talks about the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But if you hang in there and come along with me, I think what you'll find is a gospel that actually fits perfectly for a day of thanksgiving. And in this gospel, Jesus is actually indirectly, not directly, but he is indirectly teaching about all of the things we just mentioned. True thanksgiving, looking to God for everything that we need in life, and being Satisfied, being content with whatever amount God decides to give us over and above the things that we need. All of that comes in a conversation where the words thanks and thanksgiving are never used once, but Jesus still manages to teach the two main keys to a consistently and truly thankful Christian heart, which is true trust in God and proper priorities, proper perspective on God's gifts. Jesus has this conversation with his disciples right after he has one of his first confrontations with two groups that hate him, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. After Jesus' run-in with those two groups, he takes his disciples to a peaceful, quiet place, and there Jesus has a warning for his followers. He tells them, watch out and be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, obviously, Jesus here is not talking about physical yeast that's used to make the kind of bread that you put in your mouth and chew and swallow. 
Jesus is speaking figuratively about the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. These teachings are like yeast. They get into a heart like a batch of dough and they spread everywhere and take everything over. But the disciples manage to completely miss the point of what Jesus is saying here because they have forgotten to bring for themselves the kind of bread that you put in your mouth and you chew and you eat. So as soon as they hear Jesus make mention of yeast, the disciples' minds immediately go in the direction of the physical bread that they have forgotten to bring. And they think, oh, maybe Jesus is scolding us for forgetting the provisions for tonight. Or maybe he's giving us some kind of cryptic warning against, I don't know, walking back to the Pharisees and Sadducees and buying bread from them because maybe they use yeast that's poison or bad or something like that. The disciples line of thinking here is kind of bizarre. It's pretty garbled by overly concerned attitude, a worry about not having enough physical bread. And it sort of forces you to ask the question, how could the disciples be concerned about that at all? Not just how could they be overly concerned, but how could they be worried at all when they have Jesus right there with them, Jesus who can do anything, and who loves them dearly. And Jesus asks his disciples questions right along those lines. He says, You have little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you brought no bread? Do you still not understand? Do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many basketfuls you picked up? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many basketfuls you picked up? See, with their own 24 eyes, the disciples have already seen Jesus perform a couple of mind-boggling miracles. Once, they saw Jesus take a few loaves and fish and feed 5,000 families, and then the disciples picked up tons of leftovers afterwards. Another time, they saw Jesus take a few loaves and feed 4,000 families, and they picked up a ton of leftovers after that miracle too. And on top of that, by now, the disciples have seen Jesus perform a whole slew of other miracles up close and personal. So how could they be the least bit worried or even concerned that they were not going to have enough bread to eat that night. And Jesus asked them this, do you still not understand? And couldn't Jesus ask a question like that to his followers today, too? With a lot of uncertainty around us right now and a pandemic lingering and prices rising, could our Savior, at least not occasionally, look at you and me and say, you of little faith, why are you discussing in your heart not having enough to make it through retirement? Why are you worried about rising energy prices and rising food prices? You of little faith, why are you so worried about, and you can personally maybe fill in the blank of whatever it is that you are worried about right now. And wouldn't our Savior Jesus have every right to say that to you and me too? Because have we not also seen Jesus perform richly, up close and personal, giving us all that we need for our lives. Have you and I not seen pantries and tables so loaded with food that we have to be careful about developing health problems from eating too much? Have you and I not felt heat coming out of the vents of our homes? Has he not given us so much clothes that the main problem is keeping track of all of it? Quick story. Saturday I was in a panic because my favorite coat was missing. My, my brown coat, it's my favorite. And I thought, oh no, I know where it is, it's gone. I took it to Potomac Mills. 
I draped it over the back of a chair in the food court and I forgot it. My favorite brown coat, gone forever. Panic. Found it the next day, buried in the closet behind seven or eight other coats. So it turns out that if I had left it at the food court, life would have turned out just fine. And you know, maybe, maybe you're not as richly blessed and maybe everybody isn't as richly blessed, but if you're a part of this congregation here at Trinity, God will provide for you through the people in this congregation. If you ever started a sentence with, I need, you'd have what you need before you got to the end of that sentence. Jesus pro provides so richly for you and me. And most importantly, hasn't Jesus provided us with what we need most of all? Hasn't he provided us with forgiveness for all of these worries and all of these doubts? Your Savior Jesus loves you so much and so dearly that he came into this world to provide you with the forgiveness of your sins. He loves you so much that he came into this world to live a life of perfect trust that you get credit for through faith to die on the cross to wash all of your sins away. Jesus loves you so much. He cares for you so deeply. He came to you in the waters of baptism, washed your sins away by bringing you to faith, and he still comes to you under bread and wine to forgive your sins and strengthen your faith. The disciples had a Savior with them who can do anything, who loved them more than anything. They had no reason to be doubtful or worrying about having enough. And you know, our Savior Jesus, he is just as close to our side today as he was to those disciples 2,000 years ago. We remember that, how much our Savior loves us, his power and his promise to provide for us, and doubts and worries will melt away from our heart, and thanksgiving will overflow. And yet, in this conversation where Jesus never uses the word thanks or thanksgiving, he teaches a second key to a truly, consistently thankful Christian heart. It's not just true trust, it's also having the proper priorities in life. You know, when Jesus speaks to his disciples about the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is a very real and serious spiritual concern that Jesus has for his people. This is not trivial pursuit. Because those two groups were loaded down with false teachings that are lethal to Christian faith. For Jesus' disciples of all time and every place. The Pharisees, for example, they taught that you have to earn God's favor by keeping rules. Rules that they got to make up, conveniently enough. And the Sadducees, they taught that there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead. And if that's true then there is no Christianity. The whole thing is a waste of time. So when Jesus addresses these false teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees, this is a real dangerous thing. And it is like yeast. These ideas get into a person's heart and they just spread everywhere and take over. But the disciples manage to miss the point of what Jesus is telling them because while Jesus' eyes are up here, elevated on spiritual matters, the disciples are locked in down here on physical blessings. If they could just lift their eyes up just for a moment to focus on the things that are more important, the spiritual things, the teachings of God's word, they wouldn't be so worried or concerned about not having enough down here, but their eyes are turned down. And when Christians are expressing maybe a lack of thanksgiving, sometimes the simple reason is that we're so focused on the physical, the material blessings that God gives us, and we're not lifting our eyes up to the spiritual. And it is a really easy mistake to make when you live 
in a culture that just is always chasing and consuming and chasing and consuming more and more and more stuff. And when our, our human nature is, we don't even try to do this either. We don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to compare all my stuff to other people's. But we just naturally do it. Our house, our clothes, our cars, our toys, to neighbors, friends, co-workers. We're doing it all the time and it makes it so easy to get locked in on the physical blessings that God gives us. And meanwhile, the spiritual blessings that God gives us, the forgiveness of sins, the promise that we're going to live with Jesus forever in heaven, real freedom from sin and Satan and death, the importance of those spiritual blessings starts to get tamped down a little bit in our minds. And it really is such a silly mistake for us to make because the physical blessings God gives us, as wonderful and amazing as they are, those blessings only last as long as our lives in this world, and most of them aren't even going to last that long. Meanwhile, gifts like the forgiveness of sins and eternal life in heaven, they can never be taken away from you. They can never be gutted like a retirement account or inflated like currency. Those gifts are guaranteed to you forever by the bloody cross and the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. For Jesus, it was all about having the right priorities. And that's what it's all about for maintaining a thankful Christian heart too. Because what is it that's going to keep a Christian's heart thankful at those times when God may be scaling back on the physical blessings in life? What is it that's going to keep a Christian's heart thankful to God when he starts hearing whispers about layoffs at work? What's going to do it when she's out doing her Christmas shopping over the next few weeks and realizes this year there just isn't enough money for her to buy all of the things she wants for all of the people she loves? What's going to keep your heart and mind thankful when our income just doesn't seem to be rising up to meet the level of expenses? It's going to be keeping our eyes, keeping our focus on the greater blessings, the spiritual gifts God gives us, the ones that last forever. The disciples had no reason to doubt or even to be concerned because they had a Savior walking with them who loved them, who could do anything. That same Savior is still at our side. The disciples needed to have their eyes raised to look at the greater blessings, the ones that last forever, Jesus lifts our eyes up to see those blessings. And with that true trust and those correct priorities in our life, doubt and worry and thanklessness, they all die in our hearts. Thanksgiving thrives. Amen.